Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Good morning. Man, it's Sozo Connect Sunday, and there's an awesome opportunity for you to connect with your new best friends. And uh, I just love what God does in our church family. You know, I, uh, for probably 25 years or so now, have been a part of different small groups and different ministries, all that kind of stuff. Have you ever been to a bad small group? Anybody? Just Ray and I. Okay, good. Sometimes they're like really bad, but here's what I found out about Sozo, about us, is that we expect that God would show up, and there's something about gathering together with people that are serious in their pursuit of God and that they believe that God will show up. And it doesn't matter if you're like incredibly different, if you're the, you feel like I'm the person that doesn't belong in this group, everybody else knows each other, or what, and it's like God shows up and he begins to knit our hearts together, he begins to, to grow us to look more like him, and it's, it's quite phenomenal what happens when people show up expecting God to move. Um, and so, um, as we close, we'll have opportunity for you to get connected in a bunch of different ways. Um, but I encourage you to find a community group to run with, to belong to. I, I think it could be transformative. What I want to do uh, for just a second is pray for our community group leaders. If you're leading a community group uh, this fall, would you go ahead and stand? I just want to pray for you. Awesome. Well, Father, I just thank you for these folks that have said yes to you in leading in this season. God, thank you that your hand is on them, and Lord, that you're at work in their lives. And so, Lord, I just bless them uh, in their leadership. Lord, I thank you even today for a fresh and new anointing for their leadership. And Lord, I thank you that their homes, the, the restaurants, wherever they're going to be, their dorms, their apartments, Lord, that you're going to meet there with them. And Lord, that the end result will be that Jesus, you're glorified, that the people of God are built up, and that the gospel goes forward to the ends of the earth. So Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was 18, I came to what was then called Southwest Texas State University, and I went to a community group. We called them heart groups in those days uh, at the ministry I was part of, and my life was radically changed. It actually launched me within a year. I was on the, living in England as a missionary, and it was just God just did so much. And honestly, it had very little to do with our big gatherings and a whole lot to do with me saying yes and being in the middle of community and watching God move. So I just, I encourage you, I think your destiny is tied to running with people who are like-minded and growing together, and it'll launch you into kingdom purposes. Man, I just have had, had a hunch that God wants to, to just minister to some people this morning. And so before, I've got a message. We'll, we'll have time for that, I think. Um, it's a good one. Um, there was a, a guy that was given a prophetic word years ago, and he said, this is one of my better words. I'm like, yeah, I don't think it works that way. But this is actually, uh, I'm excited to preach. But I feel like God uh, just wants to minister to you. So can we just do that? Here, here's the way that works. There's two categories uh, of people. There are people that need ministry, and then there's everybody else that gets to do the ministry. Are you all right with that? And I just really feel like there are some of you that are wrestling with depression and hopelessness. And let me just say this, we're a shame-free zone, we don't do that, that thing, but I just feel like God just wants to minister to you. So if you're there, um, would you just stand, you just feel like, man, I'm just really like hopelessness, 
depression, whether it's like you're just having a bad week or you're having a, a bad year, we just would like to pray for you. Go ahead and stand if that's you. God loves you so much. If you're standing near one of these folks, would you just go and pray for them? I think there's probably two or three more that could use some prayer that haven't stood up yet. Just If that's you, just raise your hand. I just feel like God just, he just wants to. We've got one in the back. Somebody wanna pray for this lady here? Yeah. You pray, don't wait on me to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you that it's your good pleasure to heal us, that you decided in your blood that that's what you wanted to do. Lord, thank you that as ministers of the gospel, all of us, disciples of Jesus, get to pray for the sick and see them healed. And so, Lord, we just pray for your, just an outpouring of your joy right now. Lord, in the place of depression, in the place of hopelessness, Lord, just for your presence, just to break through. In Jesus' name. Amen. Also, I want to pray for chronic illness. I feel like maybe Crohn's disease, um, maybe hepatitis, maybe there's just something that you're, you don't even know what it is, but just that your body now for years has chronically been fighting. And I just believe that God wants to heal that this morning. Um, and so if that's you would, you, would you stand? And we're just gonna lay hands on you. You know, James 5 says that the, the prayer of the, the righteous is powerful and effective. And it talks about as we lay hands on the sick that they will be healed. And so we're not hoping to God. We're, we're believing for breakthrough in Jesus' name. And so if, you, if you're wrestling with chronic illness, maybe it's even diabetes, just feel like God wants to minister to you this morning. And Jesus told us to pray. Go ahead and pray for those folks. Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you know there is no sickness in heaven? Diabetes doesn't exist in heaven. Crohn's disease doesn't exist in heaven. And so God's celiac disease doesn't exist in heaven. So God is saying, hey, people of God, just declare, partner with me that heaven would come to earth. So Lord, we just thank you for breakthrough in healing, in Jesus' name. You may uh, not have experienced a church service where people are praying for each other. That's okay. But I think as the people of God, it's our responsibility to pray for each other. And it's more important than songs and messages that we just do what God's up to. So Lord, we thank you for healing this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Wade, God's just lighting a fire in you. Whew. And even as you're standing, Wade, just to receive healing, I just feel like God is imparting to you a gift of healing. 
that you'll lay your hands on the sick and you'll see them healed. That like Peter, as he, people lined up just that their shadow would fall, that Peter's shadow would fall on them, that they would be healed. And so Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in Wade's life. In Jesus' name. Pierce, God is He's changing your heart. And you can trust your heart. This isn't one of those cheesy New Age pep talks, like just listen to your heart. That's not what I'm saying. He's given you a new heart. And there is a a pastoral call on your life just to walk with people and to cry with people and to see them healed and restored. And you've been fighting, like I see, there's like a sword in your hand and you've just been fighting for your future and for your hope. And... I feel like God's saying it's, it's a new season. Sometimes we can just start fighting until we don't know what to do and we just feel like we just gotta keep working on ourselves and working on ourselves. And I feel like God says it's a new season to, to now fight for other people. It doesn't mean you don't do whatever you need to do, but he's just saying, hey, you're called. Like it or not, you're called. So get over it. Does that resonate with you? Okay, cool. So Lord, we just thank you that you're here and that you're at work in our midst. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Anybody else, you just feel like, man, I could just use prayer this morning. If If you just need prayer this morning, just stand. It doesn't have to be anything like Like maybe you're just grieving. Maybe you're just wrestling with life. Maybe you've never prayed for somebody before and God's just saying, hey, you're not, you don't need to be a professional at this. Just go pray for somebody. It's okay. God's not impressed or moved by our words. It's our our faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you're at work in our midst, Lord, that you love it when we put our faith in you. 
and that you love to show up in response. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like I've got a, a word for a bunch of people, and it's just God, but I think it's God. You be the judge of that. Don't listen to somebody when they're like, hey, this is, like, you can, you can still keep your discernment on. Um, but I feel like there are some here that would say, man, I've just been disqualified. Like, God, I, I, when I was younger or at the season, I was on fire for God, and I felt like he wanted to do something with me, and I went my own way, or I blew it really big, or my personality, or whatever it is, and you're just wrestling like, with this feeling of disqualification, maybe marriage fell apart. And God just wants to say, hey, I've, I've still called you. His gifts and call are irrevocable is what Romans says. That, if that's you, would you just say, hey, I just wanna just realize, hey, I'm called. I'm just, I've, I've been wrestling with feeling disqualified and I'm just gonna say yes to that. Would you stand if, if you're there? And I'll, I'll, I wanna pray for you if that's where you are. Tiara, you're so called. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Lord, I, I thank you that you say that when we come to you, when we confess our sin, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Meaning this, that as you come to Jesus and you say, hey, this is where I've blown it, that he, he meets you in that place and he doesn't give you second class righteousness. He fully restores. He fully restores it doesn't mean there's not responsibility for cleaning up a mess. But he just declares over you that you're not disqualified, that you're called. Look at any character in the Bible other than Jesus. So we just declare over you that you're called. We break the lie of shame. We break the stronghold of the religious spirit that would say, hey, you don't have a place. And we just declare over you that you're called in Jesus' name. And that there is incredible grace on your life. You don't have to strive to make it happen. There is incredible grace on your life. That the, the power of the living God lives in you. And so in Jesus' name, I silence the lie of the accuser that would want to keep you from stepping into what God's called you to. Melvin, you're called. 
Matt and Jill, you're called. So Lord, we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been in this series called Holy Rebels, and we've really just been talking about what it looks like to live as a disciple of Jesus. That's really kind of the whole point and and the craziness, the chaos of culture. We spent the last couple weeks talking about uh, politics and government, everybody's favorite subject in church, and, uh, and really what it looks like to be a kingdom person in the middle of all of that. Years ago, Lauren and I went to a U2 concert. Here's what I've figured out about U2. You either love U2 or you hate U2. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so we had a friend that was like in the fan club, and so he got us like, I think, what were we, 118 and 119 or something like that, getting into uh, whatever it's called where the Cowboys lose almost every Sunday. Um, <laughs> uh, and so we're, we're waiting in line with all of, all of the U2 fans, um, and it was cool. We sat in like the very middle. It was one of the most powerful worship experiences I've seen. I just don't know who, what people were worshiping, but people were all in. Anyway, so there was this... There was this guy that was in line with us and he was asking like our group of friends how many shows we had been to and we're all like rookies. We're like, oh, this is just our, our first one. And so somebody asked him, hey, how, how many shows have you been to? And he said something like 24. And we're like, dude, you've got a problem. <laughs> and so they asked a clarifying question. By the way, it's always important like when somebody gives you an answer that's a little bit unbelievable, ask a clarifying question. It'll be, it's interesting to see the answer that you'll get with the clarifying question. And so one of my friends who knows a bit about you 2 said, oh, so you must have seen this tour and this tour and this tour. And the guy said, no, no, you don't understand. I've been on 24, been to 24 concerts on this tour. I missed two when they were in Wales or something like that. And then he went on to say, yeah, I've you know, been to over 100 shows and I've been on this tour and that tour and that tour wow, man, you've got a serious problem. There should be some sort of recovery group for this. Stevie could lead it. Um, (laughs) So anyways, that's not my point. So anyways, the guy started talking about how much he loved you too. Dave Jacobson resonates with this. And uh, and he, he said, you know, I love what they're all about. Like they're trying to end poverty and AIDS and they're doing these different generosity things. And it's true, they were in on some good causes. And he says, you know, I, I feel like the fact that I'm here and I, you know, buy a ticket that I'm a part of what they're in on. So again, clarifying questions, right? So somebody asks, so like you're like involved in doing this or that. And it's like, oh no, no, I just go to the shows. And I thought, oh, wow. Like, I, I, th- I think there's a, a version of Christianity that has been, it's not simply that people have stepped into. It's that actually people have been led into. That, make, that have, have made us think, and I'll, I'll share another story. 
but it's made us think that somehow showing up to church, maybe giving a little bit of money, makes me a disciple of Jesus. I remember leading a, a small group of college students probably 20 years ago, and I was talking with the guys, and, and I really didn't know what I was talking about. How many of you small group leaders realize that? Like you, and, and so, which is pastoring too, by the way. Anyways, um, so I, I, I said, yeah, there's like two types of Christians. There's like the people that pray a prayer and go on with life. And then there are those that are like serious disciples of Jesus. It's like fresher in my group. Pipes up, he says, I, I don't think that's possible. I don't think you see that anywhere in the Bible. It's like there's really only one type of Christian. I was like, whoa. I didn't have a really good argument for that. But I knew he was right. And I think somehow in Western Christianity, we have painted the picture that there are just those crazy people. I'm looking at some of you now that are like all in with Jesus. And then there's another option. There's like a like, it's like the, the platinum plan and like the bronze plan. And they just don't find that anywhere in Scripture. And, I, and I, I, this isn't a guilt trip message. I don't like those. But I think there's just an invitation and somehow we've settled for less than God's best in our faith. And we begin to realize, or we've, been, we've, we've missed that there's actually this great invitation to follow Jesus with our whole lives and that he would show up in the middle of that. And actually there's no better way to live. That, that that's, that's what we're all called to. And so here's, here's the, the challenge for us today. I think one of the great challenges we talked about really the last couple weeks has really been about the, the possibility that we could lose our identity as followers of Jesus into the political sphere. Like I've seen it, that people have, have become more political than they have been about Jesus. And the truth is, you could almost pick anything in life. I just feel like that was a good hot, top, hot button topic. Um, and the truth is, it's really just consumerism. Let me read you this quote by Alan Hirsch. He's a missiologist. That means he studies mission and church and all that kind of stuff. He's, he wrote this. He said, consumerism is being defined by what we consume. Catch this, the search for meaning, identity, purpose, and belonging tied to the consumption of goods and ideas, I'd add that part, consumerism is the religion of our day. Have, have you probably watched a commercial recently, like not like a NBC, ABC, because nobody watches those anymore, but a commercial, maybe it's popped up on your YouTube or whatever. Have you noticed nobody is selling products anymore? They're selling lifestyles. Like if you were to sell a product, you would say, hey, here's this Tesla. It's got these batteries. You plug it in, it charges this long, and you'd explain everything about the product, right? Instead, our car commercials 
show a certain type of person that maybe you and I, they think, would want to belong to, want to be like that person. And so if we buy that product, which it doesn't really matter what the product is, we can become one of those people. You with me? Or if you vote for this person, you can be one of these people. Or if you dress this certain way, you can be one of these people. And the truth is we were hardwired to be on a search for identity and belonging. And yet what we find in our day is that we're being sold that we can find identity and belonging by the things that we purchase and the ideas we buy into. Do you feel that pressure? There's this, this thought that, man, if I, I'll just arrive, I'll, I'll be like the, the Joneses if I just have these shoes or this car or this house. I'll belong if I you know, send my kids to this. And, and all of a sudden, we, we begin to think, we begin to look for our identity and our meaning in, in things and ideas. So the, the question I have for you is whose disciple are you? Because the truth is all of those messages are working to disciple us into a certain type of lifestyle. Are you, you know, this subculture or that subculture? Do you know this, that the average American consumes 454 minutes a day of digital media? The average American consumes 454 minutes a day. That's seven hours and 34 minutes of digital media. Now, this is not the talk I got in junior high about media. You got to listen to this band and not this band. And here's the Christian replacement for whatever band. Like that's, I'm not interested in that. This, what I'm saying to you is that there is messaging coming at you all the time. And that messaging is intent on making you a disciple of a way of thinking and a way of living and probably most importantly, a way of spending and voting. And it's trying to, to push you in a certain way. And if we're going to be a Jesus people, what I've been calling holy rebels, to say, you know what? I'm not going the way of society. I'm actually going the way of Jesus. And I'll push back on culture when it tries to push me into this certain way of thinking and living and spending and voting and all of those things that I would become a, a, a block of voting and a block of consumption and a, like a certain subcategory. Instead, no, I'm gonna follow the way of Jesus. But the reality is there is immense pressure on you that you would allow culture to shape you. And even the things that seem incredibly harmless are laced with ideas that are trying to push you a certain direction. And parents, for your kids, it's like, how do we get them from two years old to be on this track. And, and good, big marketing companies 
media companies, they figure out how to cater to every stage of grooming your kid to think and buy this certain thing. And so if we're going to take seriously our call to be disciples and to make disciples, we're going to have to develop some new rhythms to life and some new ways of thinking. Like we can't run around trying to keep up with culture and be disciples of Jesus. It's impossible. The only way to combat the onslaught of consumerism in our day is to be fully committed to the way of Jesus. The lordship of Jesus in our lives is the kingdom's inoculation to the onslaught of culture. You see, I was also kind of programmed to think this way, taught this way, that like you can take Jesus as savior and then like as bonus points, you could add him as Lord. The truth is they're tied together. The, the lordship of Jesus doesn't mean that he's a boss that I can quit. It means that my life is his and he gets to determine the steps that I take. I'm submitted to him. And so I'm not going to try to find even a certain brand of Christianity certain denomination or stream that will let me have my little pet ideologies that aren't submitted to Jesus and then I submit to him in this way. It's like we have to say, you know what? I'm all in on the way of Jesus. I'm fully his, he's Lord and whatever he says goes, I'm trusting my life to him. Jesus says it in this way in Matthew chapter 16. This is one of those red letter things that we would love to skip over. Start in verse 24. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul. That's the invitation of consumerism. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? See, there's this temptation. I'm not against having nice things, a nice car, clothes that have some sort of flavor of style. If you look at me, you're like, Joel doesn't know what he's talking about with flavor of style. But when we lose our identity in the things of this world, we will find ourselves in some sort of like, we'll miss the way of Jesus. We'll miss the way of Jesus. We'll miss this invitation to follow him and lay down our lives for him. It's like we'd love to Figure out how can I do the American dream and sprinkle some Jesus on top. A little bit of holy water to sanctify it, but I'm gonna go on. And there's this invitation that God's saying, would you just lay down your life 
and watch Watch what happens when you trust your life to me. I promise you that you'll find it. You'll find joy. You'll find peace. You'll find the purpose that you've been looking for and the consumption of goods and ideas. You'll find all of that when you trust your life to Jesus. It's all found in that, in him. Luke chapter six, Jesus is talking You know this story, you probably sang the song about it in Sunday school. Luke 6, 46. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? What he's talking about really is the religious spirit. Let me say this, I've been reading a really good book called Rare Leadership and it's talking about some brain science and the way of Jesus. It's really kind of mind-blowing, but he talks about our our left brain being the center of our decision-making. It's like our choice, but our right brain is where we find identity. It's like what we believe and embody. And our right brain, our, our identity center of our brains, of our thinking operates many times faster than our left brain. And so some of us are trying to follow Jesus with our left brain. We're trying to decide each thing and we're overthinking it. Should I go here, do this, spend money on this, blah, blah, blah. We're not doing it from identity, we're doing it from choice. It's what religion loves to do. Because what religion loves to do is make everything about knowledge. The right brain, the, the, the one that's identity focused, it's like, no, th- this is just the way that I think. So this is who I am. This is what I do. Like in my house growing up, we would wake up on a Sunday morning and we would say, dad, do we have to go to church? And he would say, Joel, you're a Lowry identity. So you get to go to church. What he was speaking to is actually our identity, not our decision. Does that make sense? And and so he was was imparting identity to us. You're a Lowry. This is the way that you live. We tell our kids when it's like, oh, this is too hard. I don't want to do this hike or this math problem. We say we have like this family motto. We've got a bunch of things that Lowry's are and Lowry's do. And so we say Lowry's do hard things. It's not just oh, you should do something. But what we want to do is we actually want to speak identity into our kids on what it means to be a Lowry. So now that decision's already made from the place of identity. So it's not from the place of choice. Do I feel like it? Now, let me say this. I'm not an attendance chart for church person. Okay, that's not it. But what I also know is that if I'm, a follower of Jesus, and I'm like, oh, I could do church on my own, that doesn't really work. Because you're not following Jesus. That's not what it says, okay? You you need people to follow Jesus. That's, That's part of how this whole thing works. And so when you make the decision, am I going to go to church this Sunday morning? Am I gonna be in a community group? Or am I going this week? When you make it from your left brain, Like, this is just something that I can do. It's a choice that I make. 
you probably won't do it because what you're doing is you're being discipled by your momentary feelings. But when I function out of my right brain, out of identity, and I say, you know what? I'm a follower of Jesus, and so I live on mission everywhere I go. It's not something I do. It's not a choice that I make. When I'm buying food or interacting with a neighbor, I'm tuned into the Holy Spirit, and I'm living on mission. I know my kingdom calling. I know that I'm supposed to be a pioneering father. And so when those opportunities for me to blaze the trail and to love on people come, it's like that's just who I am and what I do. It's not a decision that I make. Are you with me? And so Jesus is saying, hey, you're saying, Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say. And then he goes on to say, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like the man building a house who dug down deep and laid foundation on the rock. When a flood came and the torrent struck, that house could not shake, but it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like the man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. You see, Oftentimes, we want to do lip service to say, hey, Jesus, you're Lord, but I'm not going to build my life around the ways that you've called me to live. I'm just going to build it on my own choices and decisions. And and the, the truth is, none of us are so brilliant that we could be a disciple of ourselves. You're a disciple of somebody, of something. You may be an independent thinker. You're still a disciple of the things that come at you. So there's an invitation in the Gospels to live in the way of Jesus. I think this is why Jesus says in John 14, 12, one of my favorite verses, he says, anyone who believes in me will do what I do and even greater things than these because I go to the Father. We've talked about this before, but here's the, the concept First century Judaism, to be a disciple, you would want to do what your master does. In fact, when your, your rabbi, your teacher says, you can do what I do, it's actually your commissioning into being a rabbi yourself. But Jesus flips the script on this. Instead, he says, whoever believes in me can do what I do and greater things. So he changed it actually from left brain all of the information that I can gather on what it looks like to study and know how to be a disciple of Jesus, to actually putting my, my faith, my hope, my life in his lordship. And when I put my life in his lordship, it moves it into the right brain. And now I begin to think identity. And it's his life lived through me that begins to change the world. It's from that place of connection that I carry the kingdom of God with me. It's from that place that when I pray, when you pray, things change. I'm gonna preach real fast, so you listen real fast, all right? So I wanna give you real quick four rhythms of a disciple. We call it holy rebels, but what I really mean is a disciple. Four rhythms. One is life in Jesus. That my life is in him. That's my identity. I'm a follower of Jesus I'm not a Democrat 
or a Republican. I'm not a Episcopalian or a non-denominationalist or whatever. I belong to Jesus. I'm his, and I cultivate that rhythm by regularly spending time intentionally in his presence. Reading scripture, I'm praying, I'm worshiping. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle that I cultivate. It's a rhythm that I have. If I'm getting 454 minutes of media, I need to be somebody that's saturated in Jesus. You with me? I, I, I need to soak in him. And I, I love podcasts and preaching and other people's thoughts. But you don't need my relationship with Jesus. Hopefully I can encourage you in yours, but cultivate listening to God and hearing him and, and reading scripture. My, my goal, I've shared this with you before, is I read scripture until my heart begins to burn. I just know, oh, that's revelation that means something for me. I was reading Hebrews 12 today, one of my favorite chapters. I've been reading through Hebrews and God just been, started talking to me about the anxiety and fear that I was wrestling with. It's like, oh, you're not facing this as a son. You're facing this as an orphan. Oh, man, that hurts so good. I'm letting him disciple me in the middle of that. And then I'm processing that with him. By the way, we're a church that believes that God wants to speak to people and that he wants to encounter you. That he, he wants to actually do something that's not just informational in your life. We believe that when somebody lays hands on you, there's this thing called impartation and, and God moves in that way. Well, what that is, is it's really that we receive not just in our left or right brain, but it's not just left brain information, but it's actually this relational identity thing, right brain, but it's more than that. It's actually in our spirits that God wants to minister to us. And sometimes it's direct and sometimes it's through other people, but we cultivate this life in Jesus by letting him speak to us and lead us. That gets us to the second thing, life on life. Second Timothy 2, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, hey, the things that I've entrusted to you, pass those on to qualified people who will then pass it on to others. We're supposed to be going generations deep in making disciples, and we do that by sharing life together. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Find a couple of people. Maybe it's the people in your house, your roommates, your kids, your parents, whatever other configuration, your spouse. Like for me, I know that life on life, there's a handful of people that I'm with regularly and we're encouraging each other in the call of Jesus and the way of Jesus on our lives. But my greatest assignment in making disciples in this season is with my kids. So I wanna cultivate that lifestyle, let them into my life and we pray together. I wanna encourage you, have somebody that you could pick up the phone and say, I'm having a bad day, instead of giving you advice, they compassionately listen to you and they pray for you. Cultivate those kind of relationships. It's usually incredibly awkward the first time somebody says, can I pray for you? And then it's like the ice breaks and boom. God just begins to knit hearts together. Have people that you run with. Get two or three people that you run with and live life in community. It's what we're offering by saying, hey, jump into a community group. Have some people that you're running with. Cultivate that rhythm in life. If it's not every week, let it be every other week or once a month, but have some people that know you that are helping shape you and shape your family, your kids. And don't just let it be this thing that occasionally happens, but be intentional with it. 
the fourth rhythm of being a disciple is life on mission. Some of you have been wounded by the idea of life on mission, while others of you are seriously excited about it. Let me say this. Life on mission happens as best as you discover God's call for your life. Like it's, it's not just you, introvert. Now you're gonna live a life on mission so everybody you ever meet, you need to tell about Jesus even though it doesn't fit the way that you're wired. Discover God's call in your life and how he's wired you so that you can be the real you, the authentic you, the God-created Jesus disciple version of you and live that out. Don't put on somebody else's armor, but discover that. Chris and our Next Steps team have an incredible way that helps you get on that pathway of discovering what we would call your kingdom calling. It's like, what does it look like for you to live life on mission? You may be somebody that just helps serve people and you bring the kingdom that way. You may be a really good equipper or you may be a really good friend or you may be somebody that just does hospitality really well and as you open up your house, people encounter God. It's not about what you know, it's actually about the grace of God on your life. But I think this, I don't have, I'm not angry at culture. Culture's just doing what culture does. And I'm not like, let's all move on to a compound kind of person, right? Like, that's not what this is about. Like, let's just figure out how to like really stick it to culture. That's weird. It's not effective. Unless we're like really good friends, we've got a good pool. Maybe that could work. (laughs) But I feel like we've been called to be a city on a hill in a bright light. And you can't be a bright light if you're just going with the flow of culture. I feel like there's just this invitation that God has for us to take serious our call to be his disciple. That we would not settle for churchianity, for just showing up every now and then for knowing the stuff, but we would allow him to shape us and form us and that we would live out what he's called us to. Let me pray for us, and then Chris is going to give you some direction. Our kids are consuming. They're probably now on their third round of Kona ice out there. So we'll pray fast. Go ahead and stand up. Lord, I thank you that you're raising up a people that take seriously the call to follow you, that we would be a people that lay down our lives and surrender to you, that we trust you in your ways. Lord, I thank you that people would see our lives and they would see that we are disciples of Jesus, that we look like you, that we radiate you to the world around us. Lord, teach us what that looks like for each of us in the season of life that we're in. In Jesus' name, amen.